You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen, joined by the one and only Leaf Tulin. Thank you so much for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of your day on this Tuesday. Um, I'm joined by Leaf. We're going to go over this last week in college basketball preview, uh, some upcoming games, and then also talk about who our player of the week was and who really stood out in our first player of the week uh, edition of this podcast. Leaf, how are you doing today? Doing great. I, I watched a lot of basketball this weekend and, um, you know, on a lazy day, I, I made the most of it watching way too many games. So hopefully I can provide some good insight for today's podcast. Hey, perks of uh, potentially, you know, quarantining and things like that. Get to catch up on a lot of things we wouldn't normally catch up on. So let's dive right into it. Who, what are some games that you watched this weekend and which do you want to start with? I think the best game that I watched this weekend was Seton Hall in Connecticut. Um, I watched I watched plenty, including Baylor, TCU, Virginia, North Carolina, Purdue, Wisconsin, which I'm sure we'll talk about with with some uh, prospect um, high high caliber prospects on the line there. Um, but for the first one, I want to talk about is Connecticut and Seton Hall, and that was a rugged Big East battle that that I thought was really fun. Went to overtime, and you saw the full. Uh, a full, fully rostered UConn team. They weren't fully healthy because they just got out of COVID protocol and they hadn't played for two and a half weeks. But you saw the talent that team possessed. And then you saw the the ability of Kevin Willard to adjust and, and play through a player in Kadari Richmond, who really stood out to me, had a point in the game where he scored 17 straight Seton Hall points and and willed his team um, to the victory. And he, he was doing it against sizable NBA caliber defenders on UConn. So I was super... I'm super thrilled by watching that game. I think that was the best one this weekend. Yeah, the Kadari Richmond performance is one of the best standout games. What's crazy is he might not have even had the best game of any prospect this weekend. He went 10 of 13, 27 points. And the crazier part is he only took one shot in the first half. Everything else was done in the second half. He was going hard at the basket. Uh, like you said, NBA caliber, you know, size. And talent that he was going against, this wasn't just some weak defense. This wasn't, you know, going against the worst team in the conference, anything like that. This is a legitimate, um, you know, UConn team that's going to be in the tournament. Like, it's a high-quality team. Another player that stood out in this one, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, is uh, his teammate, Jared Roden. What What are your thoughts on Roden? Have you gotten to watch him? Have you dived into him? What's What's your case on him? He's, he's an intriguing player because he's the guy for Seton Hall. I know Kadari Richmond had the, the game, and he was the dude at this game, but Jared Roden's their leader. He's taken the range from Sandro Mamukalashvili, and he's really embraced being the leader uh, and being the focal point of this offense rather than playing a supplementary role. Uh, I'm not sure I see his offense translating to an NBA system, but he's a very good college player. Um, he defends at a high level, and he could defend at the NBA level. I'm just not sure I see him getting drafted based off of um, being the man because um, he certainly won't be the man at the next level if he makes it, but he's got defensive tools that I think could translate. And I would love to see his shot progress just a tiny bit more um, for me to really see him as a, a two-way prospect. 
Yeah, I, I, I echo everything you say. I guess I know a lot of people have him. I've started seeing him in top 60s. You know, they're, they're like, well, he can shoot. But I don't really buy the shot that much. I think it, it has a lot of fundamental issues. Like the base is moving a lot. The, the hands are just not always fluid in the release. Like there's a lot there for me. And then one other prospect, I know you love this guy. Tell everyone about Andre Jackson. You sold me on him a little bit ago before the show. Tell everyone what, what to like about Andre Jackson and if he's a guy this year or in the future. He's someone that's just so active, he's hard to miss while watching him play. Um, he won't wow you with points per game. He won't wow you with his shooting form or anything. But what he does is he makes an impact on his hustle, His and his hustle translates into rebounds and steals. He's very active on the defensive end. And offensively, he has he averages over three assists per game, and he, he passes the ball in a way that leads to good shots, even if he doesn't get assists. He, they, they use him as a secondary playmaker, and he feeds the ball into the post to Adama Sanogo. And he's probably the best athlete if he were to enter this draft, um, just like in terms of vertical and sprinting at 6'6", 205, long arms. And he shot 11% from three his freshman year, and he's shooting 47.4% from three in his sophomore year, which is right now. Um, I'm not sure I buy the three-point shot as like, a wow, this is a three and D steal. But if you watch what Herb Jones is doing in the second round uh, from Alabama as a senior, he shot 7% as a junior for Alabama. Senior year, he shot about 30%. Andre Jackson's shooting better. He's younger, and he's a more explosive athlete. He doesn't necessarily have the point guard skills Herb did at the refined level, but he's two and a half years younger at the same time. So that's someone I'd keep my eye on. Hey, love the sleeper additions. Uh, so for the next one, you brought up Baylor TCU. I was at that game. It was TCU's first game in almost two, three weeks. They went through a COVID uh, spread on their team. Really good game. TCU, uh, if you didn't watch this, TCU lost by 12, but the scoreboard does not indicate how close this game actually was because that 12-point lead came in the final four minutes. Everything else, TCU was winning a good portion of that game. They were at least, you know, neck and neck for most of that game. And for me, the standout player was, I, I'm going to sound like a homer and a, and a broken record here, but Mike Miles. I mean, he's finally returning to form, you know, kind of normalizing those numbers. He had 26 points five assists, that was on nine of 16, shooting four of eight from three. Could have hit some free throws, missed three. Uh, that would have, I think, kind of helped the momentum hold the lead a little bit more. But, I mean, he really stood out. And then on the other end, Kendall Brown, every single game you could say something positive, even a simple nine, four, and three on four of five shooting this game. I mean, he still did so much. He was so active. What did you like in this one? Well, I mean, Mike Miles' passing was probably the most – impressive thing I watched. He threw, you, you tweeted about it saying he threw a couple Luca like passes. And I mean, you, you're not wrong. Like he, he's no Luca Doncic, but he, he makes some very impressive passes where he draws two people away and skips over the top to the, where the help side is sucked in and it makes a open three for his teammates. Um, I will say that the most impressive thing on a basketball sense, not necessarily for prospects was Baylor's guards combined for, um, 57 points between three guards and they play him across LJ Cryer with 15 on 50% shooting, including four of seven from three James McKinjo had 20 points on nine of 15 shooting two of four for three. And Adam Flagler went 22 uh, scored 22 points on eight of 13 shooting and six of 10 for three. So that's 57 points all above 50% from the field and all above 50% from three. It looks like they haven't lost a step from when they had Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell pretty hard to believe. And I mean, that's why Baylor's number one in the country. Their guard plays better than everyone else's. And it doesn't hurt when you got a guy like Kendall Brown who's a top 10 pick. And then Jeremy Sohan, sad he, he twisted his ankle. 
But uh, I, I would like to defer to you to see what you saw, like what stands out to you from Sohan and Brown, people that just can do so much that you don't necessarily grasp when you're not there in person. Yeah. <clears throat> so Sohan, I mean, God, he's so active in every way on the defensive end. Uh, that That's mainly the big standout. Like you're not watching, like when you're on, watching it on film, at least for me, I don't see everything that happens in the defensive end. It's very insane live, of course, but it stands out so much more on live. I've seen him now twice in person and it's the same thing every time. He's just, he's hounding off ball on ball. And I think it's really underappreciated. There were 13 teams in attendance. I think uh, 15 scouts or something like that's over 15 in this game. And I, I know there were over 10 players being scouted. And I think it kind of speaks volumes to just how deep both teams were. TCU's added a lot of talent wasn't just Mike Miles. I know Charles, uh, Chuck O'Bannon, excuse me, was being scouted. He was someone teams are looking at it. It's probably a deep cut. And then you also have, like you said, the three guards at Baylor are really just, look, they're not going to get drafted because the size is just not in their favor and they all have kind of a fatal flaw. But they're so good and productive that they're going to get looks in summer league preseason, things like that. It, it was a stacked performance uh, for Baylor. I mean, they're just, they can beat you any which way. Um so one last game before we go to break, I can't help but talk about Johnny Davis. I mean, you said it. We're going to talk about it. Johnny Davis versus Purdue, Wisconsin versus Purdue, excuse me. Uh, it was the Johnny Davis show, though. 37 points on 13 and 24 shooting, 14 rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks. And that was in 38 minutes. I mean, and that doesn't – Ivy had a decent game, 14-3-3, and three, but 33% shooting. Zach Eady stood out 24-10-2. What stood out to you in this game? Because obviously it starts with Johnny Davis. Well, yeah, for sure it's Johnny Davis. And what stood out to me was the ease in which he got to his shots. He's not necessarily a blow-by athlete. He's a very good athlete, but it's functional athleticism. He, he plays off two feet, shoots jump shots um, from the mid-range, hit a couple threes. He got to the free throw line 12 times, I believe. Um, made, made nine of them. And his twin brother joked he could have had 40 if he made all of his free throws, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but Johnny Davis, I've got, I've got a stat for you in five games against Ken Palm top 30 teams. Davis is averaging 28 points per game on 53, 41 and 80 shooting splits. And the other seven games this year, Davis averages 20.2 points per game on 40, 29, 81 splits, which is nothing to be ashamed of, but that's a big game play right there in five games against the top teams. He's shooting, he's playing his best. Um, that's something I always look for and when they have individual matchups, such as the one against Jaden Ivey, who is considered a better prospect he outplayed him individually and um, I would say that what another thing that stands out to me is his uh, willingness to rebound and do whatever it takes to win he guarded the best player on Purdue and Jaden Ivey he rebounded he had 14 rebounds and he scored 37 points um, just the will to win and then he followed up with two more games this week where he um, I mean he, he scored 26 in his next game against Keegan Murray who's was I think many people had as the big 10 player of the year um, entering th this week, 26, nine and five against Iowa and then 19 and seven against Maryland, all three wins monster week for Johnny Davis and really helped his, um, his prospects as a draft prospect. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be a candidate for our next, uh, portion of the show when we do our, our player of the week, that game was really impressive. I, I think it says something when you outperform a higher rated prospect, that was something that stood out to me in 2017 when Donovan Mitchell just crushed Dennis Smith jr. The, it matters. It matters. And I think uh, I, I think Johnny Davis is someone who, you know, he doesn't have some eye popping athleticism like a lot of people or not. I, I guess just like it's, there's stuff that doesn't always seem 
as fluid as some of the other top prospects. That makes sense. Like Jaden Ivey has that explosive athleticism and like blow by speed and everything. Johnny Davis, I don't feel like has like some, you know, one thing that he stands by. He's just very good. Right. And I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time seeing him fail. He's climbing on my board. I mean, I can't see him being rated 15th or lower, but yeah, he's going to be a candidate for our player of the week, which we'll get to after this break. But first, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action and for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile site to sign up today and receive your welcome bonus of 50% on your first deposit. Just use promo code locked on to get started. So from playoff football, basketball, which is about to enter full swing, obviously conference plays started, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Cool. So welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. Again, joined by Leaf Tulene. Uh, we are going to talk about our players of the week and who really stood out for this first week of January. Leaf, who was your first candidate and or just who you would choose? I mean, it would have to be Johnny Davis. I, I didn't anticipate talking about him before before player of the week, so I kind of gave my good tidbit already. Um, but I'll reiterate, 53-41-80 shooting splits. You know, that, that could be for 10 points. But no, he's scoring 28 points per game in five games against Ken Palm, top 30 teams. He's moved his Wisconsin Badgers team up to number 13 in the nation, which quite frankly is not a very talented team if you take Johnny Davis off the roster. Um, and I, I just can't say it enough. That's that's probably the player of the week. I think there's a performance that has a chance to be more impactful, and I think that's where you're going. So I'll, I'll go Johnny Davis, and they'll let you take over. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to talk about two guys. I'll let you throw someone in if you have someone else you want to shout out to, and it might be the second guy. The best performance of the, this week, I, I think it's pretty safe. Um, it was Ty Ty Washington. He had 17 points, 17 assists, five rebounds, and two steals with just two turnovers. That's an eight and a half to one assist to turnover ratio, and that was on eight of 13 shooting. Uh, he is really climbing up my board. I don't see a way he doesn't end up in the lottery. I mean, he's super fast. I, I love the three-level scoring upside, the jump shooting may need to get a little bit more consistent, especially from three. I, I think I'd like to see some more volume on that and just a little bit more fluid form. But for the week, he averaged in two games against LSU and Georgia. He averaged 11 points per game, 10 and a half assists, five and a half rebounds, one and a half steal, half a block. Like I, I'm pretty high on him. I don't know where you stand on Ty Ty, but I think he had the best performance. Um, actually, that's not even my player of the week, though. Uh, what, what did you like about Ty Ty? I mean, 17 and 17 is pretty unbelievable, especially in a college game. That's 40 minutes, um, and that's nearly an assist every half minute if he played all 40, which I don't think he did. So, um, sorry, I mean, a half an assist every minute. I miss, messed up there, but you get the point. Unbelievable stats there. And um, what stood out to me is the fact that his patience on pick and roll, like the way he operated it with the big and Shibwe, who you know is going to dive, he was able to sit behind them, shoot mid-rangers, um, he changes pace very well. He can accelerate and decelerate. And then he also finds a way to um, make pocket passes at proper times because sometimes you want to go to a guy like Shiwe, who's a dominant force of the rim, you want to throw high every time. Defenses will adjust to that. And he found the proper times to throw high lobs and the proper times to throw pocket passes. Um, just pick and roll navigation really stood out to me. Yeah, that's perfectly said. That, that I meant to throw that in there. His tie ties 
pick and roll is just ridiculous. That's another part of why I see him translating. It's one of the things I always look for in a lead guard is you want to see that pick and roll success. I mean, 17 assists, I'd say 10 of those assists were from pick and roll and just to have 10 assists in one game out of pick and roll is ridiculous. Obviously it's a two person stat helps that Oscar couldn't miss, but 17 assists in a, in a game by a freshman is almost unheard of. So uh, that was big. My other one, this is actually my player of the week. That was the performance of the week. I kind of cheated that. But my player of the week is actually someone who played Johnny Davis this week. Uh, and that is Keegan Murray. I mean, he averaged through two games, 31 points per game on 65% shooting. He took 10 threes um, and shot seven of 10. That's ridiculous. Six and a half rebounds as well. I'd love to see the assists go up for him. Eventually, he only has 18 assists on the year in 14 games. That's something that I think is his really only offensive flaws. He doesn't play make a ton, but he also had three blocks in, in both games. And on it, and actually, he's even had three blocks in three straight games. I think he's an underrated defender. He's one of the few guys who could stay in front of Johnny Davis in their matchup. He had a couple of good defensive stands. And uh, I don't know. I'm really high on Keegan Murray. He's climbing into my top 10 and number one on my wish list for the maps this year. I love Keegan Murray. I, I watched him with Luca Garza. I was like, oh, who's this freshman kid who, who's playing weak side as a secondary rim protector? And now he's scoring 30 points per game in a week. And, you know, the more the merrier. I've got one other um, guy that I'd like to shout out, a shout out. It's not necessarily a prospect that I'm super high on, but just the accomplishments. And that's Antoine Davis of Detroit. Um, he, he scored 39 on eight of 13 from three. I mean, some ridiculous numbers that, that you can put up in his last one, but the important thing that what he did is he broke the all-time scoring record at Detroit. And that was a very high market at 2,319 before. And now he's, he's shattered that, um, just really impressive. And he's number three in the nation in scoring. So that's a guy that if you want to watch a guard similar uh, to Max Aismas from last year. Um, just just work at a mid mid major school and just score at an elite level. That's someone I'd look into watching. Yeah, that record uh, breaking moment was a little bit controversial on Twitter uh, from the person he stole it from. I'm not going to say his name, but uh, it was controversial. He it wasn't exactly the most peaceful passing of the torch. But yeah, Antoine Davis is really good. I mean, he had the game against Milwaukee. I don't believe Patrick Baldwin played. I want to say maybe he came off the bench, but. Um, no, I'm looking at this and he did not play. He scored 39 points on 13 of 20 shooting. Like he's going to get a summer league invitation. He's not, he's probably not going to play much in the NBA, but, um, he's going to, you're going to see his name in summer league and you're going to go, wow, who is this guy who can light up the team? Like who's just a bucket. And that's Antoine Davis. That was, that was a good shout out. I like that. Um, and yeah, major shouts to the kid. There's a ton of records being broken. It feels like that's a big one. Because uh, that uh, that had seemed like an untouchable record there. I mean, there's a reason, you know, the person who had it previously, his entire brand is that. Like, and, and no disrespect, but like, I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. And uh, so good on him. And uh, also another record this year that was pretty big was the all-time steals leader, Jacob Gilliard. But um, yeah, so we'll preview some of the games, though, coming up. That was this week's player of the week. So Johnny Davis and Keegan Murray, uh, both Big Ten. It seems like that's probably going to be a common theme for most of the year. Uh, but when we come back, we will talk about some of the big games to watch this week. It's a great college basketball weekend and week, honestly, Tuesday to Tuesday. You're not going to want to miss it. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. Again, joined by Leaf Tulin. Uh, Leaf, you want to kick us off with some games to watch for this upcoming week starting today on Tuesday? 
Absolutely. And Tuesday is a, a dandy of a, of a day for basketball. Texas Tech at Baylor leads us off. Iowa State at Kansas and Auburn at Alabama. Uh, the one I have my eye mo- um, mainly trained on is the rivalry between the Auburn Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide. You, you mostly think of that for football, but this is one for basketball. Uh, Auburn's ranked number four in the country now with one loss being to UConn in the battle for Atlantis. And Alabama was the preseason favorite um, in the SEC. And it's they're playing in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I'm very excited to watch that match and see how Jabari Smith handles the multiple athletes um, on the front line for Alabama. Yeah, that's going to be a big game. Uh, Jabari Smith, I don't know where he's on your board, but I mean, for me, he's number two. And uh, seeing Alabama's defense and just that whole team, I mean, it's one, a rivalry game, like you said, and two, just it's a big test. Every week, every game is a mat, uh, is a test in the SEC outside of like two teams. But Jabari is getting a massive test this week. I like that one. Also on Tuesday, uh, honestly, we can just kind of go through the day, it feels like. Um, I, I'm very excited for Miami, Florida State, not just because I'm a Miami fan, but Miami just knocked off Duke. I think Isaiah Wong is starting to climb up into mainstream or just as a name, not necessarily like ranked yet. But and then on the other end, someone who I see is probably a 2023 guy, Matthew Cleveland. He's been playing very well lately. If you want a sleeper matchup, I think that's the way to go. What What are some other matchups this week you're looking for? I'm, I'm a big fan of the matchup between um on, I believe it's, yep, it's Saturday, Tennessee and Kentucky. I think that you, if you want prospects, there's a lot in there. You can watch two SEC point guards battle, and that's Ty Ty, who we just mentioned, had 17 points, 17 assists in 36 minutes. And Kennedy Chandler, who came in ranked similarly um, as freshman, and that'll be a battle as well as um, you can see some really like veteran teams compared to what they're used to um, with the talent that both Rick Barnes and Calipari are used to. Um, and then you can see this is this is huge for the hierarchy of the SEC because if you can beat the Kentuckys, the LSUs, and I mean Auburn obviously um, has has the leap so far have be, having beaten LSU, but LSU beat both Kentucky and Tennessee this past week. Um, the winner of this one could go far in terms of seeding in the SEC, and that's one I'll keep my eyes on. And there's a couple sleeper prospects in that game, such as Tari Eason, um, Alex Fudge, is someone draft Twitter is falling in love with, and I think that. The more tie tie film, the better for a lot of teams that will be drafting in the 10 to 20 range. Yeah, uh, tie tie film is never bad. I will always take more clips of him. Alex Fudge is someone I'm starting to like too. He's raw. He's not going to put up flashy numbers a ton. You're hoping to see one or two big flashes of games. And then the rest is just kind of permitted stuff you're looking for with like, hey, you got two blocks and like, 15 minutes of action. That's where you're looking for with him. He's a really solid athlete. I think he's going to be a two-way guy, mostly defensive early on. Uh, but I do like that OSU team. And Tari Eason is probably also one of draft Twitter's favorites. Another one I'll shout out is uh, Wednesday. You got Duke at Wake Forest. I think that if you had told me preseason I was calling that, I don't know what kind of drugs you would think I was on because the Wake Forest doesn't seem like a team that really – stands out, but they've actually been pretty good. And Alondis Williams has emerged as a prospect of Wake Forest so that Paolo or AJ Griffin versus Alondis Williams matchup will be really fun to watch. Um, I'd also, you know, I'm going to sidetrack. What are your thoughts on AJ Griffin? Have you, do you have a strong opinion on him? I think we, we briefly alluded to it last time, but I love AJ Griffin. I think his per number minutes are unbelievable. His shooting metrics are, are phenomenal. And I'm a really big believer if he can stay healthy, he very well could be a top five player in this class. 
Um, and obviously that's a big gamble, but if you look at a redraft, I think that he's got tools that very few prospects have. He's got athleticism above a lot of the guys he's compared to, such as Benedict Matherin, good athlete. AJ Griffin's a better athlete. Matherin's a great shooter, but um, I think he's comparable as a shooter. Whereas if you look at Johnny Davis, I think AJ Griffin is the better athlete and the better shooter. Um, the, there's a couple things that you are concerned about. And so, I mean, minutes played, like maybe he'll, he'll slow down. But what I've seen is really, I, I was high on him coming out of high school and I remain high on uh, AJ Griffin. Yeah, we did talk about him last week, but I can never pass up an excuse. If I say AJ Griffin, I'm going to ask you to talk about him because I just, I like AJ Griffin a lot. Uh, so let's each do one more. Do you have another game that, uh, that is standing out to you this week? I have two in the Big Ten. I think we're going to harken back to the Big Ten a lot. Uh, Indiana and Iowa intrigues me, not because it's like a high-profile matchup, but Keegan Murray and Trace Jackson Davis are two of the best players in the Big Ten. And then I think another one that's interesting is from a prospects uh, situation is Illinois and Michigan. Um, Michigan is the team with the prospects, but they're really struggling. And Illinois has got the established player who's not a prospect in Kofi Coburn, or at least one I, I don't see as a true prospect. Kofi's been unbelievably dominant the last few games. Um, Illinois and uh, Michigan battled as the top two teams in the Big Ten last year. They, um, I mean, they're going different directions, though. Illinois started poorly. Michigan started as the top ranked, one of the top ranked teams. They're in a, in a kind of a, a free fall right now. Um, and this is one I'll be interested to see Hunter Dickinson versus Kofi Coburn, Musa Diabate, and uh, Caleb Houston, see how they do against some of the veterans on. Illinois, such as Jacob Grandison and DeMonte Williams. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll know a lot more about Musa Diabate's ability to defend, to defend the post when he goes against Kofi. That's a, that's a big one. I like both of those. Um, so for my last one, I never really thought um, that I would choose this game. And actually, I, I just lost it. Forgive me for this. But uh, there, there was one I just had that – oh, here it is. I'm sorry. It, was, it features a top-10 team. West Virginia versus Kansas. I never thought I would choose this as a must-watch game because it's unranked versus ranked, but I'm really excited for the matchup of Ochai Obaji, who has been stellar as a senior, probably will be a first-round pick, one of the rare senior first-rounders, versus Taz Sherman. I think I think that's a really good matchup. It'll test Obaji's defense. Taz has scored double digits every single game for West Virginia. I think he's a sleeper. Kind of we talked about Antoine Davis being one of those buckets. Taz is that, and I think he's better playing at a higher competition. And I think that's a really good matchup. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see Baji. He's been just splendid. I think we've we talked about him, I think, a couple of times. Uh, but again, another guy I'm never going to turn down talking about if you want to get in, any words on him. I love Doug Baji. As a, as a Jazz fan, I don't know if you guys are – you know I'm, I'm a Jazz fan, and I thought the Jazz, if he came out last year, should take a second-round pick and see if he can become a defensive player who can hit threes. You know, three and D prototype, but for the Jazz, it's not to start. It's to, to fill minutes, and, and for moments like these where you're getting, like, throttled by COVID – um, you need some depth, and he would be a perfect piece right now. I'm still on the Ogbaji train. I do think he's going to be a first-rounder. I was looking at some boards recently, and they've got him below Christian Brown, so that's something I'll be monitoring to see which one ends up being the um, the better prospect. I, I believe it's Ogbaji. Um, he's shooting very well. He's scoring over 20 points a game, um, but Christian Brown's no slouch either. Yeah, um, Christian Brown has a, has a good amount of uh, hype around him. I think he's starting to get a little bit overhyped. I've seen first-round talent. I don't I don't see it. Um, I think he can be an 
a bench score. Maybe I should have said him versus Tash Sherman because they do a little bit more one-to-one, but I think Kogbaji will be guarding Sherman. So, uh, Leaf, thank you so much for joining me as always. And again, thank you all for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. Go ahead and listen to Locked On Now, Locked On Bets. Both of those have you covered for your second and third lessons of the day. Uh, Leaf, tell everyone where they can find you and send us home. Well, yeah, thank you. It's always fun talking about basketball with you. Um, I, just find me on Twitter. It's Leaf Tulin, L-E-I-F-T-H-U-L-I-N. And, and hopefully you'll hear me talking more about basketball soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day.